Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, January 23rd, 2022. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Thank you, JB, for, for leading us in singing. you taking care of the sound. We missed... Steinbargers today and others I think that are sick a bit here and there but uh, we're pretty full this morning so apparently we're not that sick Um, but it's really good to be here after missing last week um, it's good to be together with God's people Um, this morning we'll be in Hebrews chapter 4 we'll be in verses 11 to 13 which we will also be there next week as well Let me read those verses and then we'll pray. Hebrews 4, 11 to 13. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. There's our warning today and there's our, the gracious words of a loving God who does not want us to fall away and not enter rest through disobedience. Verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning again. Your mercies are new every morning. And as we've sung these words about the Gospel of Christ and our need for for Christ, and Father, Your great promise of Christ as, as we look back upon the cross and the resurrection and the ascension of our Lord, Father, we come today with these words before us. Your words. You speak to us, and now we have them written down for us. So, Father, we do not take them for granted. They are the words of life. They are powerful. They are judging. Father, help us today as we preach and teach, and as we listen. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. As always, I pray that in spite of me, you would work greatly and that you would, you, would, you would cause in the preaching and teaching of the Word for Christ and the Gospel to be proclaimed, for Jesus to increase and for, for me to decrease and for us to decrease. May the Word be lifted up today. May Christ be more beautiful to us today. Father, we give you this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In chapters... 3 and 4 of Hebrews, the author is urging the readers, his readers and us, to trust the promise of God in the gospel of Christ. And the fulfillment of this gospel is called rest. It's none other than, as we saw a couple weeks back, the rest of God Himself. After God created six days, He rested the seventh day. 
And we also saw that as, as we are, as sinful people, as those who cannot find rest in and of ourselves, we come to Christ. And what does Christ say to us? Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, this begins, when we think about our rest in Christ, this begins with our, our sins being forgiven. Or we, we, we might put it another way, theological term we use, our justification. On the cross, Jesus says, said, it is finished. In His death, He took His sins, our sins upon Himself, and He gave us His righteousness, the great exchange. And now, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 21, we are called the righteousness of God because of the, the person and work of Christ. Now we have peace in Christ. We no longer work um, to try to make ourselves right before God. And in Him, now we find rest. We saw that two weeks ago. We also saw that this rest that chapter 3 and 4 he's talking about here looks forward to the future. Because when we think about our life and we, everything that's going on with, the, with sickness and death around us and perils and lots of things that are going on that are happening, we, we do not find rest in that way. In other words, we wait for a day when every tear shall be wiped away and we will go to heaven and this will be no more. And so there's a sense in which that rest is still future, very clearly, and we look forward to this rest. And then we come to verse 11. And so he says, the author, let us strive to enter that rest. That's the future part. So that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now here I believe we see the words of a pastor who writes the book of Hebrews, the letter. He's particularly exhorting those Jewish believers to press on, to look unto Christ, not to go back, but to look unto Him, their great high priest who has passed over into the heavens. See this in chapter 4, verse 14, since we have such a great high priest. He says in chapter 3, look with me, verse 1, consider your confession. And then in, in chapter 3, verse 8, He warns <clears throat> that community and us, do not harden your hearts. And then he says in chapter 3, verse 12, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. And then in verse, chapter 3, verse 14, he says, Hold your original confidence firm to the end. And then in verse, chapter 4, verse 14, he says, Hold fast our confession. So his desire, the author's desire for those readers and for us today is that we have a living and active faith in the promises of God in Christ. And the author does not merely give them truths to believe, he is also very practical. And the more I read Hebrews, the more I see how practical it is. And he reminds them, and he reminds us, we come to the most practical part. He gives them the example and the picture of the Word of God, which, which we come to today. So, therefore, we need this passage today. Our life, our existence, our ability to continue down the road to heaven depends on the Word of God. And I hold this Word in my hand. Now, 
If you remember, a couple weeks ago, I delayed this sermon a bit because I was having a very difficult time with this passage. And I was unsure of the author's meaning um, concerning the Word of God, which we'll get into over the next two weeks. In other words, when most people read this Word, or when they come to this passage, they think, hey, why is there a problem, Pastor John, with you understanding this, this passage? Because it's pretty simple. It is the written Word, and here it is before us. Here we have it. In other words, when most people read this verse, outside of us as well, they usually think about the spoken Word of God, which is now written down for us. In fact, throughout chapters 1 to 3 of Hebrews, I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, well, more than 15 references to the God who speaks. So God speaks to us. And He often says... If he were here today, he would say, brothers and sisters, he would say, beloved, listen to his voice. The spoken word, which we now have, is the written word. And this is very true. The Bible is the voice of God. In the Old Testament, God spoke. And God's people preserved these words down in writing. And today, this is what we have, which has come down to us as the written word of God. Okay? So that's... Let me just move on. The written Word of God. However, there are many, as I study this passage, the church fathers, many of the medieval theologians of the church, John Owen coming all the way up to the, to the 16th, 17th century, they did not believe that this passage was primarily talking about the written Word. And that, when I got this and I, I looked at this, I thought, what? They believed that this passage is speaking about the, not the written word, but the essential word. So you might think, what in the world are you talking about? Well, what would be essential? Well, that which comes behind the word, the power of the word, who is Christ himself. In other words, they would believe, many would believe that Hebrews, the, the author here, is not primarily talking about the word spoken and written to us, but this passage is actually talking about Christ, who he is. Also, if you know your Bible, what does John 1 1 say? In the beginning was the Word. Who was that Word? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we read on down a little bit further in John 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then look at verse 13 here, even in our passage, 4.13. He says, in the same breath, no creature is hidden from his sight. Not its sight, his sight. This is obviously God, not the written word per se. And also, this word... It is living, it is powerful, it is judging, but, but what gives these words power? When you listen to them today, who gives the power for this word? It is Christ. It is the, what, that which is essential for this word to actually have power. So, when we approach this text, I believe that the word is both. Okay, It is both the written word and it is fulfilled in 
Christ, who is called the Word. So I have two parts to this sermon. This is part number one this morning. I, I, I don't want to apologize, but this, I know that was a long introduction, but I think it was necessary. So part one today, we're going to focus on the, the Word that we have before us, the written, spoken Word of God. And I have three truths. Here they are. The spoken Word is, number one, living, number two, powerful, and then number three, judging. Living, powerful, judging. We're going to talk about the written Word in that way this morning. Next week, if it doesn't snow again, next week, well, whenever we get back together again, we will then look at part two, Christ. The essential word is living, powerful, and judging. And I, and I, I wanted to put them together today, but I just did not have enough time to do that. So let's begin today with the written, spoken word we have before us. Number one, spoken, written word of God is living. This is the shortest of my three points. But I get this because the word he used here in chapter 4, for the word of God is living, verse 12, is the word uh, just in Greek, it's zeta, omicron, uh, omega, which in, it's zo, zone. And basically, if you think of the word zoology, it's where we get life, the word for life, animals, living things. When I pick up a rock and I throw it across the lake or skip it, on, or I see a boulder on the side of the road, what do, I, what do we think about when we think rocks? We think they're, they're not living, they're dead. But when I think maybe even of an animal, though, such as a dog or a cat, as they run around our house, as they bite us, as they scratch us and do all these other things, there's life there inside these animals as opposed to a rock. And so when we think about that as people, as we're sitting here today, in, in the same kind of way, we breathe air, we, our organs work, our heart pumps blood throughout our body. We are physically living. And we know we live because God has given us life. And there's a lot more to this because we are different than the animals and that we are created in the image of God. We're not talking about that today, but the Word of God is living in some way. And that's what he's saying because God himself lives we did not evolve from nothing. In Paul's great sermon to, to the Athenians there, he says at the beginning of his sermon to those folks who haven't heard about this great God, they, he said, in Him we live and we move and we have our being. In other words, we get our life from God. And our, our life comes because God Himself lives. <clears throat> and this is a quality of God's nature. Jeremiah 10, 10, one verse. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. The Bible often speaks of idolatry. As men and women, they worship wood and they worship stones, things that they cannot, that cannot see, they cannot speak, these things cannot hear, these things, these idols are not living, which, why, which is why... He says here in, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, look there with me. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from who? The living God. This is a picture, too, when we think about idolatry, of our world. Let's think about around us, brothers and sisters. 
Romans 1, verses 21 to 23. This is what Paul says about the world in general. And we're seeing this lived out before our eyes. Paul says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God, or they did not give thanks to Him. But they came, became futile in their thinking, their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. When we look around at our world, our world seeks those things which have no life in and of themselves. But we as Christians, we know we have the Word of God which is living. It is not dead as God lives, so is this Word that we have before us that we preach and teach. It is, it is alive and well. And I don't know about you guys, but when I read the Bible, I've, t I've shared this before, even this morning, when I, I have my quiet time, and as you do your quiet times, and whenever you do them, and you go in your closet, and you pray, and you read God's Word, before a good, a good thing to do before you read the Bible is just to say, Lord, these are the words of life. Help me to know what, what they mean, and help, help me today. And I always pray that. And so the Word of God is living. That's truth number one. Truth number two. The word, the spoken word we have here in our hands is powerful. And, and this just flows down from living because the word is living and is also powerful. The Greek word we see here in the, in the text is energy, energes, which is where we get our word energy. The word of God, God does not sit idly by, but works powerfully to accomplish the will of God. When God speaks, there is power behind his speaking to accomplish his desire to accomplish what he desires if we think back to creation what did God do he spoke and then can you believe we believe this by faith very clearly and we look around even and read Romans 1 again we believe that God spoke and out of nothing we have what we have God created very very clearly God spoke and the earth and the universe were created. This is power. This is power. Unlike anything we've ever known or can even compare it to. I think just watching the Marvel movies with the Tesseract and the power. My goodness. We, we, we're obsessed with, with power. Well, the Bible says the, the Word of God is, is living and it is powerful. To bring things out of nothing. Isaiah 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I have sent it. Now, as we think about this power, notice the description of this living and powerful word of God. Look at verse 12. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, I, don't I know we don't like to talk in such terms about battles and, 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 and wars and things like that, but when you think about going into battle, which would be more effective? A sword with one sharp edge or a sword with two sharp edges, equally divided together? Well, a double-edged sword doesn't merely cut in one direction, but it cuts in two directions and it penetrates 
And then the author gives us another picture besides this two-edged sword. He says the Word of God is effective. Look at verse 12 again. Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints, of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So here he's saying the Word does something that nobody else can do in its great power, and it is always effective when the Word of God comes to us. Here we see very clearly that this effective Word, the Word of God's power, what does it do? It reveals what? The heart. Here we see the effective Word of God to reveal the heart. Now, I don't want to read too much into this passage about separating out spirit and soul. I don't think that's what the author's point is here. But I think the point is this, that God knows all things. There is nothing that He does not know. And no creature, look at verse 13, is hidden from His sight. But we are all naked and exposed. I think of Adam and Eve after they sinned. What, what, what did they say? We are naked. And they tried to clothe themselves because it was a picture of a lot of things, but it was a picture that they were there and God knows all and there was nothing they could do. They were exposed before God and so are we all when we come to the Word of God. Now, one of my favorite things to do as a kid, and I don't do it anymore as much as our kids would even ask me, even as older kids, but they, our kids like to play hide-and-go-seek in the house. Does anybody ever do that? Of, of course we do. Of course we did do it. We all know what it's like to play hide-and-go-seek. And there are many... And if you come to my house, the be, it's even better when, when you flip off all the light switches, <clears throat> and now it's dark. And our kids used to put pillows underneath the doors where we're sitting with the light on in the living room so no light could come through so they could have the most darkness so they could find the best spot so their brothers and sisters couldn't find them. I, and it, personally, I, I remember going back to those days, and I think, man, I, occasionally I would find a spot where nobody could find me. Have you ever done that? And then it, finally, you, it, it's the most satisfaction in the world because you say, I give up. And you're like, yes. And so you scream out and you say where you are and you, and you just feel this bit of satisfaction. Well, well, what if your brother or your sister had the ability to pull your roof off your house instead of closing their eyes and counting to ten and just look down into the house and see every spot that is open and available there and then they would know exactly where you are. I think that... This is what this text is teaching us about the Word of God and, and God Himself. <clears throat> In the same kind of way, the roof of our hearts are exposed before God. Always exposed before God. And practically, for us now, God speaks to us and He peers into our hearts through the written Word. Through the written Word of God. This is very practical. This Word teaches us. This Word tells us what God is like. This Word tells us what God's will is. It also tells us if you, when you read the Word and you come across something and you go, man, I have sinned. I've, I've committed that sin, Lord. It tells us our sins. It, at times, it, it, when we need encouragement the most, we get encouragement from the Word. I think, I think of, of, of Psalm of Psalm 139. I don't know if 
those words are familiar to you or not, but David says this, O Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. And I think probably some, this is pr- probably some of your most favorite verses. You know me when I sit down. You know me when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all of my ways. God knows us. And His Word is powerful to go down into every bit of who we are and expose us before God. Now, just by way of practicality, if you would, turn with me to Psalm 19. This was, some of you are doing the daily Bible reading, um, the ones, Caleb, that you got laminated, which I still use. Uh, It's a discipleship journal or whatever, but this week was, was Psalm 19, if you're following along, sometime in the last week or so. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 14, I believe. Let me make sure my, my reference is right. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 14. Yes. And it, this, this, this psalm is talking about the law of God, but, it, but, but they are synonymous. The Word of God that is written to us and the law of God. But Notice some of the ways the Word works powerfully in our lives. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Do you ever read the Word and then your soul is revived? You think, God, your mercies are new every morning, your kindness. Even this morning, um, just thinking about God's kindness to me uh, as... I, I, I often, the further I go along, the, it's a mystery. But the only reason I'm still a Christian today is it's mysterious. It is the power of the Spirit holding me and keeping me. Because when I look at all my sin and I look at all my failings, oh, God's, when I read God's Word, it, it's helpful to me. It revives my soul. So the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. So the Word makes us wise. (laughs) We're no longer simple, but we are full of wisdom. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. There's another one. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. They are more to be desired than than, than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. Hebrews is a book of warnings. It is God's Word to us, and that's what we're doing this morning. We'll get there more in a moment. But in keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Who can, who knows? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Famous words here. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Today the word of God is powerful. And we could say a lot more, but... Just a little bit of practical application there. But let's, let's move on to the third truth. The word, spoken word we have is 
judging. We see this picture also in the sword in this passage. A two-edged sword is effective in cutting. It says here, it cuts. But, <clears throat> sword is also a picture, just in general, a sword is a picture of judgment. As the government is seen as having the power, the authority of the sword. And so we see that as a picture. And really, judgment is the context of this passage. So I've been waiting to get to this a little bit. But let's think back for a moment, back to 3 and 4. And you're going to hear this a lot throughout this, this book. But think back for a moment with, with the Israelites in the wilderness. Because of unbelief in God's promise, He said, I promise you to take you to that land. Now it's time to go to that land. It's right before you. Here's my promise. And if you go back to Abraham, you see the land coming. There they are. And because of unbelief in God's promise to lead them to Canaan, God says this to that generation there. Except for Caleb and Joshua, who, you know, they were sent out to spy the land. They came back and they said some things. But God says to that generation, you will perish without seeing the land. And then what happens next? Right after these words of judgment come down upon that generation in the desert. They've been wandering for a couple years. And he says, now you will wander again for another 38. So you'll be in the desert 40 years, and their judgment will come upon you, and you will die. So what happens then, right at that time? Well, the people, they realize their peril. And they realize God had spoken, God had judged, and I think in some way they're trying to, trying to say, Lord, now we've messed up really bad by not trusting your promise. And so then what do they do? They say, all right, let's go up into the land. And then what does Moses say? After God's judgment and His Word has spoken, Moses says to them, this is my paraphrase of Numbers 14. Moses says, why now are you transgressing the command of the Lord when that will not succeed? You cannot go up into the land now. God has judged. Do not go up. And I imagine Moses is pleading with him, do not go up into the land for the Lord is not with you. Lest you be struck down before all of your enemies. You will fall by the sword. That's the context of the Word of God being the living sword, the living Word, the Word being the, the sword. And what happens next to them? They still say, oh, we're going to do it. We're going to go up. The Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in the hill country there where they were crossing over easily defeated the Israelites and they ran away. So many were killed by the sword in judgment. They did not enter God's, God's land. They did not enter God's rest as we've seen. And many of them died, and they ran away, and they spent the next 38 years in the desert. That is our context. As God used the sword in the desert, in the hands of Israel's enemies, so is His Word used for those who do not obey God's spoken Word today as it has come down to us in the Son. We've seen that in chapter 1 of Hebrews. So He was saying... I think the, Hebrew, the author here was saying, if you think God's judgment was great in that day, 
as they rejected me and my word of promise and entering the land, the place of rest, how much greater will my judgment be for those who do not obey my word of promise fulfilled in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 11. Therefore let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by some sort of disobedience. Now this context helps us understand the warning passages of Hebrews. So, if you would, turn with me to Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6. And we're going to read these verses a lot. And we're going to break them down when we finally get there. But this will be helpful to us. This context helps us understand Hebrews 6. And then in a moment, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 6, verse 4. For it is impossible, in case of those who have once been enlightened, in other words, they tried to go up, but God had already said and God had judged. It's impossible. For it is impossible, <clears throat> in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the Word of God, spoken there in the desert, and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God, to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Look with me to Hebrews 10. I know these are hard, and, but they are for us, brothers and sisters. Hebrews 10, verse 26. I'm going to read the next few verses. Same thing. For if we go on sinning deliberately, which is what they were doing in the desert, deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse, worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. For we know him who says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This morning, what is your response to these words? What is your response to these words? I often pray and I say, as you've heard me even this morning, we believe in the power of the preached Word of God. Well, I want us to consider or answer that question. What is our response? Well, these words, the Word of God today written, spoken, written, that we have today has two effects in this world. Okay? Two effects. As far as judgment goes. That's our, that's our truth this morning. Living, powerful, judging. So how does it work? What does it look like in this world for the Word of God that we have, the written Word of God, to be judging? So here's the first way. The Word of God will serve as God's means to spur us on to more, thank, to more faithfulness, to more obedience, as we look to God's promises by faith in the Son. 
as we read the Word together, when we come together on Sunday mornings, and as we, some of us will meeting in a few minutes in our home groups, and as we meet tonight, and as we meet, we take God's Word, which is our daily bread, we might say, and we will say with Joshua and Caleb today, if you are a Christian and you have, you've got the Word of God, you're going to say like Joshua and Caleb, let us go up, let us go up. God is good. God is right. And, and Jimmy, to your class, this is bread. Abby and Liv, this is bread to us. We will go up. It's that easy. Faith in God's promise, what He has said, and land. So that's what we do when we come to the Word as Christians. That's what we say. And though this life is short and it is full of troubles, the Word will serve us as the most beautiful means of grace and will fill our hearts with the greatest of motivation as we do our best to follow Christ in this world. So when we read it and when we come together, we're encouraged with the great living, powerful, judging Word of God. It tells us all about us and it says, this is who I am and this is who, who I'm following. I am trusting in God's promise in Christ. And these words remind us, and we're going to be here next time particularly, but these words remind us of the judgment that fell upon the Son on the cross instead of us. And this is the gospel. And this is what the writer of the Hebrews is really speaking of. Our catechism. I know we haven't quite gotten there yet. I know most of us are doing the catechism in our, in our homes and doing them in our home groups anyway. Those questions, and they're still pretty simple right now. But here's one of our questions. Catechism says, well, the question I don't have. But here's what the, our catechism says concerning the gospel. Christ was made a curse for us. and Christ died for our naughtiness and was laid in the grave, and God was fully satisfied. And He released him from that prison, which is death. He took him up to heaven, and He set him on His right hand. This is really the message of the author here. The book of Hebrews, the new covenant, which fulfills the old covenant. Brothers and sisters, for the Christian, if you are a Christian today, the Word of God is a sweet-smelling fragrance. Now, you might think of fragrances. You might think, wow. I mean, this, just yesterday, we, I don't know what happened. Cal got us into this HelloFresh. Not you yourself, just through Joe and Jill and others. We order this HelloFresh stuff. And I'll tell you, I've been pretty happy with it, Joe. You haven't been as excited about it as I have. But I, I like those meals. They have a lot of flavor, and when you cook them up, boy, it smells good. In the house, because they usually use a lot of garlic, a lot of onions, those kind of things that make the house smell good. That is a fragrance that, that I like. I, I remember another time when there was, there was a fragrance that I cannot forget. And there's a lot of bad ones too, but a good one. I remember being out in the boondocks in the summer back in Russia, hundreds of miles away from, from everyone, and we went by a graveyard there. And... Anyway, it was, it, was, it was a graveyard that was filled with, with Muslims. But I remember that particular time because the flowers that were there and the wind was blowing in such a way, I've never smelled such a fresh, pleasing aroma than those flowers. Well, to the Christian, this word is that 
as it looks, really it is God's promise in Christ. When we look at it and we read it and we digest it and we think about it, it is an aroma. It is beautiful to our smell. <laughs> and, and so to, to the Christian this morning, that is one way the word works. It judges that we are following Christ and we love Him and our judgment has fallen upon Christ and not upon us. This is why when we see such warnings in the book of Hebrews, so when we approach the book of Hebrews and it talks about judgment and we just read Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10, we say as Christians, these words are true. We say, do you remember Peter? when he, Everybody was leaving Christ at one particular point. Because of some difficult sayings when he said, you've got to eat my body and drink my blood and some difficult things and people start leaving. And so Jesus comes to Peter and the disciples and he says, are y'all going to leave me too? Do you remember what Peter said? Peter said, of course not. Because Jesus, you have the words of, you remember that? Eternal life. That's John 6. Often through the years, and, very, and, and I'll just be honest, recently, and you guys, you know the feeling, we, we go up and down as Christians, don't we? We have times that, are, that we're on the mountaintop, and we have times when we're really, really low. And I'm speaking to Christians now, because I don't presume that everyone here is a Christian. I'm speaking to Christians. And <clears throat> often we feel, and me personally, recently, I feel like I've just been hanging from a thread. And God's holding on to that thread. And there I am. And I can't believe He's not letting go of me. And there's my faith, and I feel like it's nothing. It is just, it's, it's a great mystery. But even this morning, as I worked on, I actually cut the sermon in two this morning. And we got part two coming because it was too long. But even this morning, the Word of God, again, as I read it, served me in the most kind and beautiful way as once again God reminded me of His great promise in the gospel of Christ. That my sins are forgiven. That He is the author and finisher of my faith. And then right after that, I, even just, I won't describe what happened, but God was very kind to me and very merciful to me and very thoughtful to me as I read His Word. And as I look to Christ again, and then these words keep me moving today down the road to heaven. After all, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of Romans 10 there says the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. So these words are living, powerful, they are judging, and I am completely and we are completely exposed before the Word of God. So this is the first way that the Word of God works in, in judgment. As Christians, it proves we are trusting Christ. So that's, that's one way we see the Word of God judging. Now let's move to the way, the second way we see the Word of God judging. It's another effect as regards judgment. Look with me to 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 to 16. Here we see those who perished in the desert. Okay, that's still our example. Judgment came, and what did they do? Perish in the desert. The Word of God. They did not 
listen to the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 2, 14-16. Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Speaking to Christians, the first way we see the judgment. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. It's talking about Christians. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. So he's saying, we, those who have the Spirit, those who are Christians, we are the aroma of Christ to those outside who are being saved as we go and we come. And it may not happen very often. You may talk to 20 people, but only, and 19 of them reject you, but one of them is going to say, I, that is beautiful. It smells good to me. That's what I want. I want to follow Christ. Well, that's the first way. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. But then, among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. So what he's saying, basically, let me finish the passage. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. Well, to put this in simpler language, to most of the world, to those who are not being saved, to those who are rejecting God's promise of Christ, the written Word of God is not sweet-smelling. It is not the nice aroma from the kitchen. It is not the flowers that come. It is more, I guess, it's like, I guess, a skunk. Or much worse, when they see and hear the Word of God, and they hear it spoken, and they hear it preached, they don't like it, and it doesn't smell good. And this is a great mystery, but the Word of God to the unbeliever, the Bible says it, it actually works to harden, and it leads to death. As people reject the Word, reject the Word, reject the Word, and further and further down the road they go, and they're hardened. Do not harden your heart because of unbelief. And so in that way, the Word of God works in judgment as well. In both of those ways. And that's very simply put, we could go into a lot more there. And so that's what happened to that generation. And that's what happens for anyone today who gets the Word of God and does not listen to it, but pushes it off. Pushes it off. So let me end this morning with some applications for us about this Word that is living, powerful, and judging. And I must say that next time we get together, this is much better than this week because we're going to get to Christ. And we're going to see that He is living, He is powerful, He is judging. But first application for today. The Word of God will always accomplish its purpose in this world. Again, Isaiah 55, I'll read it again. 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow, it snowed and came down, and we've needed the water. Because we're in a semi-drought here. So I'm excited about the water. Comes down, the rain and the snow come down from heaven. Do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose." and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we must always be about preaching, teaching, memorizing, giving out, 
trusting the Word of God, which is living and powerful and judging. So we must do that. Second application. This Word, written Word, is ours. It's for us. So therefore, use it. Love it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Get together and encourage one another. Do this in your home groups. We're doing it with six or seven of us guys, and now we've picked up McKamey, who's in the nursery, okay? She's coming in. We get together. We think about the Word. We read the Word. We memorize the Word. Do that in our home groups. Brothers and sisters, the written Word is God's primary means God has given us in this life as we look forward to our final rest in heaven. So in these words, we find life. In it, we find power. We find judgment. In fact, we find everything we need in this life for godliness. Another application. For the non-Christian, if you're here today and you are not a Christian, and I, I think more of us know that we're not Christians than, than I think, and I don't want to be so naive. I think most of us certainly are. But if you're here today and you are not a Christian, just as in Moses' day, there are those among us who have a form of godliness but deny the power. We saw that two weeks ago with, with 2 Timothy 3. So as you consider your posture before the Word of God, so do that now. Consider how you approach the Word. As you consider your attitude towards the Word. As you consider how you do not love, really, the Word. Or how you, 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 you don't pray, think about the love. I mean, about the Word. You don't think that much about it. And I, I, I can't say that, but you know. Oh, and this happens... I know that we have times when we don't, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm saying over a period of time, year, two years, three years, and you just come along. But this is not your love and your passion from your heart. Then I would say to you, look unto Christ. He is there. And if you've seen this for the very first time and all of a sudden you say, I am, those, I am just like those Israelites. I do not want to be them. I want to be Joshua and Caleb. And I want to go up. And you've never seen that before. I would say, look unto Christ. Repent of your sins. Say, I'm sorry, God. I've, I've, I've not loved you. I've not loved your word. I've, I've not... And, and again, this is all through the great power and mercy of our God. But if that's what you are feeling today, then I would say, look unto Christ and get saved. Become a Christian. Another application. No one can hide from the Word of God. So no matter what we think we do in private, and then I would even go a step further, even as Jesus does, what we do in the privacy of our own hearts and our thoughts. You know, it, Jesus says, you've heard it said, if you, you know, commit murder, then you will be in danger of hellfire. But, he's, but He says, well, I tell you the truth, if you've even taught, thought evil about your neighbor, then you've committed it where in your heart. So there's this, the Word of God. There's coming right now to you, to us. Same thing, men. I say, you've heard it said, if you committed adultery, you will be in danger of hellfire. But I tell you, if you even look at a woman in lust, 
See, there's the, there's this, that's the word particularly. We, we are heart people, and the word exposes our heart, and we cannot hide from God. God knows all. So that's just a reminder. Final application. Everyone, all of us, will stand before the judgment of God, and we will give an account based upon the word, God's, God's spoken word, His written word given to us today. And so, we, I hope these words are helpful this morning, and I really hate that I had to cut it off, because next time we, we will really get into the, 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 the essential word who is Christ. But for now, let's, let's go ahead and finish up, <clears throat> and um, I'm going to pray, but I guess JB's coming back up to lead us in a song. Pay attention to these words. Because this, what we sing today, it will really help us apply this today in our own lives. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, your kindness, your goodness to us. And it has come down to us. Father, we know it has not... Everyone has Romans 1 creation and they say, we can all say... There is a God, those who can think and look up and say, there is a God without excuse. But Father, the Word, which is special grace that comes down to us in Christ, has not, it's gone out, but Father, it still has not accomplished your pur- pur- purpose in this world with the nations. And we know of many who've never heard. And Father, we don't want to say such things or think about such things, but That is the truth, and the truth is always on our side. And so may it help us appreciate and love the word that's come down to us here in China Grove and in Landis and Kannapolis and Salisbury. Father, you are good to us today. Thank you for the preaching and teaching. Pray that, that again, that Christ would be lifted up and he would be honored and that he would increase and that we would decrease. Thank you, Father, for your word. Help us this week to apply these truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.